episode 5, Getting Mim Connected. Hey guys, this is Ariel from STEM. We are at our next podcast with our co-host, Melissa. This week we are interviewing Bianca Genti. We grew up with the high school together, both New Jersey natives. She is a media and tech entrepreneur and co-founder of Mim Connect. So we're going to get into a lot about her, what her background is, she got into media, what her day job is, um, just everything of that sort. So going into the first question, tell us about yourself, uh, where were you raised, what education, uh, just go from there. Sure. Hi, guys. Um, so again, hey. I, um, well, first of all, thank you guys for having me. This is so cool. Um, definitely here for the girl power movement. Yes. Um, so I, yes, all, all for it. So I, as, as Ariel had mentioned, um, I am a media tech entrepreneur. Um, I am from Maplewood, New Jersey, grew up in Essex County, and actually went to high school over Mother's Seat and, and Clark, an all-girls high school. You know how we do over there. Um, <laughs> And then from there, graduated and went to Penn State on a full scholarship. And that was quite the ride because I didn't actually know what high school, what college I was even going to go to at that point. So that was a really interesting experience. Um, when I went to college, I actually, so let me take a step back. My family's from Haiti. So they're kind of on a wave of just like, are you going to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer? Like, <laughs> like that's like the trajectory. Oh my gosh. That's the thing we should probably do. Um, but... I don't know, I was just kind of like, I guess I'll be a doctor, like I just kind of like closed my eyes to pick whatever kind of made sense, even though I was terrible in biology, <laughs> um, that was like just complete, that was so trash, but I was like the smartest person ever, so, and now it's just, I was, first of all, I was a lot, like, I was just faking it through all of our classes over in high school, but I don't even understand how you that, that was just a joke, but. When I ended up getting over two, when I ended up getting over two Penn State, um, I took a few classes, I took a few courses, um, I switched out of biology and went into more of a behavioral science because biology was honestly just kicking my ass and I just could not actually keep up with the curriculum. Um, so I felt like something a little bit more psychology based or just kind of like the thinking process would still get me into med school or dental school, but I could still kind of like make it happen. Yes. At a certain point, um, at a certain point in my career, like I kind of knew I just didn't want to be in biology, but I didn't really have a backup plan, so I wasn't going to transition into you know whatever major was kind of just next and just waste time, waste money, um, be there. Um, by the time I ended up graduating from high school, um, I from high school when I started when I actually graduated from Penn State, I already <laughs> knew prior to graduating that I was actually going to switch out and just be in media, be in communications. I did this pageant called Miss Black Penn State, and um, by the end of it, like I ended up winning some way somehow because God just that's a thing. Wow. Um, I, ended up, like, <laughs> I ended up doing like this. I ended up doing like this women's health festival, and I was just like, you know, I really want to like, you know, make this like a thing on campus. Like, you know, people come in, they can get college credits, they can get food, they can get like, you know, just you know, a cool experience that really like empowers women on campus from professional development to women's health. So we were talking about sex ed and all these different things and. Um, health and we have like I don't know we have like a double dutch and jump ropes and just like doing things and, and there it kind of felt like a, a women's field day but it was really cool and we, um, oh but, so what ended up making that kind of special I guess you could say is the fact that we had so many different brand partnerships and I don't really know what brand partnerships were but I just knew that like I had a, I had a, I had an audience and I could probably figure out a way to sell it to um, whatever brands or companies whether it was like Subway downtown over you know in uh, downtown college town or just like reaching out to brands over on the internet and it's so funny we ended up getting um this uh kind of like this adult toy shop that ended up sending over like a whole bunch of sex toys for our sex education station which was so funny <laughs> we, it was just like it was like a half like this big old box of like you know just sex toys and dildos and condoms and I'm sitting here and coming over into like the school office like hey guys so this is a part of the program like just get with it <laughs> um, but long story short, that was kind of like the launch pad to going into media and communications because I just understood what brands were trying to communicate to specific audiences, what it meant to kind of like develop a brand affinity. Yeah. I'm going to be working over in TV, advertising something. I couldn't get a job for licensing 
like for nothing. So I ended up working um, as an executive assistant for a fashion designer. Then I started working over at NARS Cosmetics, got all the free makeup. It was so great. Up until I started saying that though. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, so with all this experience in sales and marketing and finance, I still want to be in media. I ended up running my first job over at Turner Broadcasting, working for TBS and TNT, doing account services, working with advertisers like Geico. social currency 
for social capital in the workplace and you can actually make decisions, people trust you, your work ethic is solid, like all these different things. Um, that's how we want to impact change and make sure that the work that we do is actually reflective of what the U.S. census looks like. So I hope oh. that that was a storyline that made sense. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's amazing. yeah. blown away, literally. In, incredible and we it's funny Arielle and I had a few questions that we were gonna go through and I'm like wow she's like hitting every point that like that we wanted to talk about it just to get into um a little bit of the specifics behind sort of what made you who you are and what helped build you to be this person because I always find it so interesting you went to an all-girls school so from there then you went to Penn State which is obviously like 50,000 plus people <laughs> How do you feel like maybe going to an all-girl high school helped shape the trajectory of your life in terms of leadership um, and then supporting other people and other women? That's such a good question because, honestly, I think that that was, you know, being at Mother Seaton was what I learned. Was I actually had opportunities to activate the leadership I knew I had, right? Like, I think I've always known. Like, I've always been in sports. Uh, my parents have always kind of put me in, but they never kept my ass busy, and I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I did LA. <laughs> and how we're really trying to affect change 
as a unit, I'm like, what time now more than ever than to, you know, push, you know, our girls to even go into more competitive environments that's going to position them for success. So I, I thought it was great, honestly. Even though I, didn't, I hated it, but initially, but <laughs> I thought it was great. I'm cracking up because I have the same mentality of like, oh, like I don't want to go here, I'm not going here. And then when people ask me, they're like, oh, did you hate it? And I'm like, honestly, I think it really shaped me for who I am today. I think it really helped and it was competitive, but you didn't have like those outside factors, you know, distracting you or anything like that. And it just helped you to like be who you are and to be involved and to like work really hard. And I don't know, I completely agree with you. Yeah. Um, but going back, I know that you went into, you know, what man is and all of that, but just on a deeper level, like what exactly is Man Connect? Um, I know you said that you help people, you're kind of like a LinkedIn, but what does that mean? Like, how do you help people? Um, what exactly is the media aspect? Just go into all of that. Yeah, sure. So Men Connect, um, as mentioned, is like the LinkedIn for media professionals of color. So we've created a platform that's designed to uh, connect progressive or forward-thinking companies to high-level candidates um, with a multicultural background. So when somebody kind of comes in, so let's say, you know, uh, a person goes into MemConnect and they go over to our website, they join, they go through a questionnaire, they get looped into a digital community of over uh, 2,000 people nationwide. So that's from New York to DMV to LA, and then we have sprinkles around from Chicago, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee. Um, and it's broken up into different areas, into different industries of media. When people think about media, sometimes they think about, like, you know, actors or just, you know, the what's on the screen. We focus primarily behind the scenes. So we're looking at advertising, strategists, sales and marketing, um, social media management, um, also looking at, like, the intersections that you would see in film, um, directors, uh, who else? Broadcast journalist. So thinking about media in a sense of who are the people that are actually producing and creating the stories versus the ones that are actually just it being played out, you know, from just what's on the screen, right? Um, so it's kind of turned into that. Uh, honestly, the way that Mintonet kind of just like started to create a story within the industry was real stories. It, I, I think that sometimes when we look at like this, this buzzword like that's happening over on LinkedIn, like diversity and inclusion, it's like cool, but it's like it also sometimes it loses its value when you have like a whole bunch of people jumping on their soapboxes, like yeah, we need diversity numbers, yeah, let's let's get the best, like you know, just like <laughs> these real weird like conversations that we have. But the reality is, it's like we need to hear the stories. We're a lot more alike than we are different, but sometimes we're just not exposed to just different cultures and how to actually navigate that, right? So yeah. when when we were in our group meet. Um, this is when it was just like, you know, 200 people, like this is when it was really growing within like the first few months, people were sharing these experiences where it was just like, you know, I got passed up for a gig, um, but, you know, and these are the things, that this was the feedback that I got and it just didn't make sense to me and it was just like, we all started hearing some very similar stories and it's just like, wait a minute, it's probably not us, right? <laughs> like, it's probably not us. <laughs> Because it's just too simpler, where it's just like, you know, you have these microaggressions that happen in the workplace. I can say for me in particular, my family, like my parents didn't even finish high school. Like they just came from Haiti, got straight here, and they're like, all right, cool. Like what we're about to do, we're just going to get to work, right? And they did everything that they needed to do for me. But it's like when you have these little interactions that happen in the workplace often, it sometimes it can, you're not able to really like communicate or uh, explain what's happening over to sometimes your your parental units that haven't been in an environment and that that can't give you that sort of advice right like what do you yeah. do just like you know you're uh you know you you're nervous or a little bit like kind of like take a back to go to like after work functions because when people start drinking people start saying some weird shit so it's just like you know <laughs> it's not like it's just, it just always happens and it's like Maybe I'll go like, you know, I blew up hip hop. Like, let's do like all these like really like weird things that happen, and it's just like you know, or you know, the the, the tone and voice gets changed, or it's just it becomes a thing where it's like, you, know, I don't want you to feel like you need to accommodate to communicate with me, just be yourself, like we're all normal kind of thing. 
And I think yeah. sometimes those microaggressions where it's just like, you know, I think you, you do really great work, but like, you know, it just comes like a cultural fit, like just all these different, like all these different, like, you know, words that are wrapped around that you don't really know what it means. It becomes like, do you really just accept me for who I am in the workplace? I'm giving you my all. Doesn't think like, is it is it me or is it you? Is it like, what, mm-hmm. what really is the issue? So when, you know, you have these interactions, it kind of prevents you from doing the work. And so when you look at the work that happens, we're talking about commercials, we're talking about campaigns, then you have the situations where it's just like the, the Pepsi commercial with, uh, with Kendall Jenner happens, and you have yeah. that impact, like, like Black Lives Matter. And it's just like, you can't kind of do that, because these are very sensitive issues, and it's not a matter of just, you know, handing a Coke can or a Pepsi mm-hmm. can over to a doctor and everything is a great when there are people that are really being affected by these issues, so we have tone-deaf work that's happening. It's just like, damn, like, I wish there were enough people in that creative process that were, you know, had a, that were of multicultural backgrounds that can actually speak to that, right? And so that's where it becomes, like, deep. It's, like, such a complex issue that happens between being in the workplace, being able to do the work that makes sense, and, like, how do I actually fit in? So I think that everybody's experiences really kind of just connected the dots. It's like, okay, well, let's provide resources. Let's provide advice to each other. Let's actually have these candid conversations with companies about what's actually happening when it comes to, like, employee engagement or when it comes back to, like, diversity numbers and how it actually drives their bottom line. So taking these very complex, like, issues where it goes into, like, you know, race, it goes into gender, it goes into economics, it goes into all these different things that can get a little bit heavy and can make people be like, what the fuck is really going on right now? But we have to kind of <laughs> create it to, we have to create it into something that's digestible so we can actually have like effective change. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's amazing. Absolutely. So, I've, I honestly, I'm like, I'm very excited that we're talking about this just because I did have, and Ariel knows because I briefly mentioned it to her as well. But I had, you know, from from us, I mean, obviously we're white, so we don't. It's almost like we don't experience it, so we don't understand that it happens. And then I yeah. recently did have an an encounter with one of my coworkers that we hired about two years ago in in my department, and I was laughing with him because I'm like, you know what, you never wear your glasses anymore. And he's like, well, I don't need them. I only need them when I'm driving. And I'm like, really? Because when we interviewed you, you walked in and you had your glasses on and you were all prim and proper. And he goes, Melissa, I was trying to get a job. I had to make myself white. And I was like, I was very taken back by what he said. And I was like, the fact that you felt like you had to completely alter your outer appearance and even just on like a small detail of wearing glasses, I was like, this is very eye-opening. And then when Arielle told me about um, Mim Connect, I was like, I can't wait to talk to her about this and get more in depth about how to almost like, how do you, how is that like, how do you cope with that? Like, and how do we change that atmosphere in the workplace? Yeah. That's what that, I'm laughing because like my eyes open, but then I'm just like, but that's a real thing. Like it, I think even the conversations that sometimes we have within the community is like for me, like I change my hair like every other day because in my head I think I'm Beyonce, right? But <laughs> <laughs> so I have like I, you know, in high school I used to turn my hair, right? And I think that especially for Black women, like one of the things that you'll is a is a not a point of contention, but just like a conversation piece is hair, right? Just because of the way that it's been, uh, it's a close piece of our identity. And even for women just in general, like that hair is just like, you know what, like my highlights have not done today. Like I'm not really trying to go outside. Like let me just like, we're going to have to throw this up into a ponytail. Figure, yeah, there's like, always those things, right? But for me in particular, my hair, I have natural like kinky coarse hair. And so when I'm thinking about um, the times that I've went on interviews, I've the conversation that has happened in our community is just like, so I'm trying to go for this gig. Right now, I have a twist out right now, and I, and I don't really feel like flicking this back over and over. Or, you know what, I really can't put it back and over because my hair is just that short. Should I reschedule this? Should I get a wig? Like, there are actually these very things, mm-hmm. and I think that what is, what's to be said about that is the perception and the things that we've kind of, like, grown and internalized in terms of just, like, survival, right? Mm-hmm. Like, all right, like, I kind of, like, assimilate in a certain way in order for, you know, this person empowered to perceive me as somebody that is worthy of taking on this gig and actually executing really well, right? And so when you think about the things that we've seen in media um, from just, like, 
you know, Afros and, you know, Black Panther and all these different, like, all these different groups, like, it's, for somebody that does not have, like, the, the historical knowledge on it, it might put them in a position where they're looking at somebody that's a person of color that may be different from them, and especially in that regard, it's just like, uh, is this something that I really want to kind of pull up over in my office? Because I don't really know, but what I do know, it might be a little bit crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's, sometimes it's often not that. So, like, I think that the conversation now is just, like, we, especially as millennials, and I think that's such a, it's such a dope time, especially now where, where we're having more conversations. I think our generation is more open to, you know, just identifying, like, yo, like, be yourself. Like, don't, don't be on the BS. Like, just be yourself. But how do you actually be yourself in a corporate, quote-unquote, traditional workplace that doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily comfortable or that's not something that's seen in the workplace. So I'm thinking about the times that I went to, I went to interviews when, um, like I first started working over at this makeup company and I remember that I had a perm. I had, I was perming my hair. So my hair was like, you know, straight at that point. I personally had to stop perming my hair because my hair was falling out due to the perm. So I didn't really have a choice, right, at that point, but to have my hair actually just like, I had to actually like cut off all my hair and kind of just start over like, like the reverse, right? Like at that point. Um, and so when I came into, I remember when I came into the office, and this was happened. To, this was an experience that happened to me while I was working there. It's like I had did a big job in that regard. My hair is like super curly, super kicky. And one of my managers was like, "Oh, oh hair's so cute, it's so curly, kicky." I'm like, "Okay, cool." And like so, for me, I was so uncomfortable with my hair texture at that point, right? Because there wasn't, there's not enough resources. There's not enough like hair products that's over in the aisle. You gotta have to like make some stuff up and find go on pictures and make some solutions. Like it's so much stuff, right? <laughs> but then at that point, I had so I had resigned because I finally got a gig over at um, I had a, I got a gig over at, at Turner. This I actually like got into media the way that I wanted to, and I ended up I was just like okay, like my hair was blown out. Like I think this was like the alumni weekend over at Penn State, and I was like, you know what? Like I'm gonna change my hair up again, and so I ended up getting like extensions. And so the extensions I had were actually straight. And so when I came into the office, it became a thing where it was just like, oh, my God, Bianca, you look so professional and sleek and bubble. And then it's just like, you sit there. And oh, my God. Right, you're taking these compliments. And you're like, okay, but wait a minute. Let's, 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 have, let's talk about this real quick. Yeah. Because I've been, you know, with my hair, like my normal hair, how I how I came out the womb. Like this is just like what my hair is even used to that. But you know, as soon as I changed my hair to something that looked a little bit more like yours, I'm way more professional. I'm way more digest. Like all these different things are just like they're almost that kind of compliments in a way that it's just like how am I supposed to like how do I navigate? Did you really accept me while I was here this entire or were you tolerating me? That's actually a really good quote. You're not going to take my ideas and not accept who I am. I like that. Um, You mentioned, uh, like, as part of MIM, that um, one of the things that you guys do is just connect micro and macro communities. How do you define micro and macro communities? Can you get a little bit more into that? because I feel like uh, 
the internet has kind of went into like a what's your purpose and passion and like you know so you start getting like a little bit mind effed a little bit like you know what am I really doing like what how does it work and so I'm thinking about all the things that I've done in the past that have kind of led me up into this point with them connect and just overall goals right um I've always had like you know the goals in terms of just community building even from a community level like uh actually like town levels like I would love to build out and carry towns I'd love to go back to go back to Haiti and actually like create more businesses and actually generate economic value but sometimes it's that based in branding and marketing um when it comes to when it comes to Men Connect right now, we're deemed a micro-community, but we have a macro effect, right? Because of the fact that it's a little bit more of a niche community, we're still starting. We're only like, we're about, on our, we, when each our community is like a little bit more um, exclusive where it has like 2,000 people, but we've reached just about 3,000 people at this point, right? Um, and so like 3,000 within the, in relation to like the rest of the United States, fairly much. But with that being said, we have been able to get featured over on Teen Vogue. We've been featured on Ebony. We've kind of touched base with Blavity. We've been on my partner was uh, featured over on um, US, USA uh, Weekly. So it's just like those type of things where it's just like the story resonates very much so. Um, so I think that with micro community building, everybody wants to be a part of something. And they always want to be like connected. Uh, I, and I think that even like companies like Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, like they connect people via hashtags, right? Like it's just showing that we have like sometimes these two very like distinct things that are different polar opposites can connect together. And next thing you know, like you have a community that, of people that love rainbow and like I don't push up, like I don't know, it's like real random stuff. <laughs> but I think that it's about like micro community building. I think it's just finding ways to have a tribe. Um, where you're able to actually share and share information and feel like you have a trust, like a mastermind or something of that sort. Um, and I think that on a macro level, it, you can still get those things, um, but I think that sometimes it just scales a little bit bigger, and I think that that's always like a challenge for people. Like, all right, like I have 50,000 people that are showing up over to my events or whatever the case is. Are all 50,000 people going to connect with everybody the same way? Probably not. Are they going to be able to feel like they can share their voice within everybody? Mm, I don't know. That might step up to them. But if they can find their three or four people, it's kind of like even our girl gang, right? Like, we may have, like, a whole bunch of homegirls that we went to high school with and that's not there, but we always had our clicks that we were able to kind of just, like, fill all the seasons however we wanted to because we knew what the, the environment was like. So mm-hmm. I think that's, like, the difference how it happens. That's so cool. So you mentioned your partner, um... You said USA Weekly. She was just featured, um, and I know you mentioned when we when you first started talking a little bit about Men Connect. You were saying how you kind of just see separate because you were in a group meeting. Um, you know, typically people find like many of us knew each other on a personal level, so we felt comfortable enough to become partners and be co-founders of Sam, or you know, just in any other outlet or aspect of life. You kind of, I, I mean, I find like I would want someone that I know a little bit more personally. Did you know your partner personally? Did you meet her just because you were put into this group message? Or, like, how did that work for you? Like, did you guys, obviously, you have to be close at this point, but like, were you close before? How did that work for you if you weren't close before? Yeah, that's a very valid question. So, Netta and I, we actually, like, have probably seen each other in, like, different group chats before, but I don't think we've ever had, like, direct communication, right? And so, like, about the time we got over into, into Men Connect, when it was just, like, first a group me, it was just kind of, like, us kind of engaging in some capacity, just, like, just because it was just, like, you know, when somebody jumped in, everyone was just like, hey, what's going on? It's new person. Like, everyone always got, like, this warm welcome. Um, and so by the time I saw her DMs, I really did not know her. So this was just like me over here, like, you know, let me do the Holy Cross and just hope that this turns out all right. <laughs> and so, you know, by the time we ended up meeting in person, because a lot of these, a lot of people from Men Connect, there are a lot of internet friends that turn into real relationships if cultivated correctly, right? Like if you, you know, create a dialogue and started asking questions, and by the time it's just like, oh, we're going over to a happy hour, let's link up here. We'll do that, and so that's kind of like the formula to how a lot of friendships have happened <clears throat> over time. Meta and I have had to just have like very transparent conversations with each other about what it is that we personally wanted 
what are our strengths, what are our roles, like where are we going to like draw the line that's like this is your lane and this is my lane because it's just like we have both very similar backgrounds. So it's just like we don't want to like run up, run across each other's toes and then next thing you know, we're looking at each other like, well, sis, you did say I could do this and next thing you know, you're doing it. So what do we really do? Like you're thinking about that, like try not to have like a shady conversation. But um, I think that over time we've had, we went through a lot of like a huge learning curve when it comes to just business, leadership, uh, partnership, just understanding like how to make money, all these different things that we've kind of went through, it's just been like, it evolved into a friendship where it's just like, we talk to each other every day. Like, I probably talk to her, like, as much as I talk to my best friend. So because it's just like, there's always, always something that has to happen. And we also just figure, we built a relationship where it's like, all right, this is work time, this is, this is play time. Or you know what? We've been working hard. Let's just go out and grab some drinks. Like we can, you know, we people like to work with people that they like, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's how my business deals with them. Like people typically just just because like you're good at business does not necessarily mean like I trust you enough to give you all of my hard-earned coins, right? So I think that that's the way that we kind of like built that relationship over time. It take it, and I, I can't say that anything else has happened aside from time and very honest conversations, hard conversations too. So, so when you say you started, so when you say like you guys just DM'd each other, like, or not DM'd, I'm sorry, when you said you groupies, like how did you even initially come in contact with each other? Was it just like random or like where is she from? Do you, like, you knew her? I know you said you didn't yeah. meet her directly, but like how did you even come in contact all together? Right. So there was like this larger group chat called, uh, there's like this larger like New York group chat that basically had like a whole bunch of New York, uh, a New York transplant. So people that like moved in from like Tennessee or LA or just like wherever and they end up in this one group chat because it's just like finding back to like that micro community building. People just want to be a part of something or find their tribe, right? So this, you know, New York group chat turned from like 300 to like a thousand people over time. Um, and so, like, I've seen her name kind of pop up, especially when it came to, like, certain matters. And then there was, like, another, like, girl group about, like, you know, natural hair products and just, like, all these different sales that were happening. And so, like, we were kind of, like, engaged there lightly. Um, so that's how we ended up seeing each other. Still all very digitally based. Like, this is still, like, an internet persona in my head. Up until it was just, like, I DM'd her. I was just like, yo, I don't know what you're trying to do, but we can figure this out. And then we started talking on the phone. And then next thing you know, we're talking in person. So how do the operations work? Because I'm sure, obviously, I can understand it might be difficult because you guys aren't going to a main office every single day. And then you obviously have a diff- you know, a day job, um, like the nine to five. So how do you guys delegate who does what and then on what days and, you know, and what part of your day is dedicated to working on this? Yeah, so I think the things that we do right now is everything is after work. Like, let's in after work, after the conversations we have, if we have a day off, we'll talk to people there. Um, but it's a little bit scrappy, I will say that. We've come up into a different system where it's just like, who's going to handle like more of the consumer side, who's going to handle more of the business, like on the company side. But it's a lot of, it's, it's a, still a little bit scrappy. We actually have a team, dream team, that, um, that works with us uh, tremendously. Uh, and so they've kind of helped us out with event planning and social media and just carrying ideas and things of that nature and we kind of connect on a weekly basis as to like how we want to kind of go about doing this and these are all volunteers so but that's how we we've been making it work some way somehow the message to some madness we're still figuring it out too oh my god that's really cool so aside from all of that and like your craziness i mean i again i We've said before, I've known Bianca since high school, and she's always been like a powerhouse. She's, you know, a student council, you're on all varsity sports, you're a student ambassador, you're doing X, Y, and Z, and then I see when I went to Penn State, same exact thing, and then I see you a few years later, and you're like, yeah, I have like 15 jobs, and I'm traveling, I guess, and I'm like, oh my God, like, how do you do this? So aside from men, like, why, I know you, you said you have a day job, how does that play into your role with MIM, um, what else do you do? What are your what what are your hobbies, your interests? Yeah. So my day job is actually uh, as a client strategist slash account manager for advertisers. So I would work with like all of our telco and finance um, finance advertisers like 
the Sprints or the, the Capital One or, you know, those type of brands. And we would basically sell them like media and measurement products. So Nielsen is traditionally known for TV ratings. Um, and so at that point, it's just working up to identify like, okay, like if this is a TV ratings for this show, you know, this is probably the best place for you to kind of air a lot of your creative and your campaigns and these elements. Um, and what that does and how that kind of helps uh, with working with them connect is client strategy and sales. Um, I think that sometimes, like, we've kind of, like, I don't know, romanticized, like, I'm going to quit, you know, my job, and, you know, that's just going to be it. And sometimes it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily for everybody, but there's a unique set of people that can really, like, make that happen, and they execute and conquer it, and it's just like, damn, girl, like, I wish I could do that, too. But then there's also things where there's, you know, there are uh, skill sets that we may not necessarily have this yet, and sometimes you can get those by working at a company first and then transitioning over into entrepreneurship. And so that's my current strategy as it stands, right? Um, but in addition to that, I'm not all work and actually really fun. I think we have to all get together and share some of our dance moves. I think it's necessary. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so with MIM, you sort of, you know, you're working to help build a stronger future for the next generation and connecting people, um, you know, in those niches. So tell us about a rewarding experience you might have had working with someone. for everybody to share their wins for the week. 
and everyone kind of just like digs them up like so sometimes we just don't have the opportunity to be like y'all this is what I did um so but one of the things I thought was super dope is we have a creative community within Nintendo as well and I think some of our proudest, some of the proudest moments seeing um them connect kind of evolve in terms of just its, its impact was seeing that we had two photographers that had just started photography right when Men's Connect had started, and they kind of just, like, got the motivation to keep going and doing it and checking it out and blah, 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 and connecting with other creators to do to build out projects. Some of their work got featured over in Vogue, Italia, wow. Vogue, wow. and it was, like, seeing that happen and seeing, like, the growth from, like, the beginning where I remember <laughs> we had asked one of the photographers to take our pictures, like, to just, like, take our headshots. Um, before an event, and it was just like he had just got his camera, so he's still trying to figure out how to actually use it. Like he's just like, uh, so it was just like a lot of pressure. And the pictures he gives were like, <laughs> like, but then after some time, it seems like the continuous growth of just keeping at it and taking pictures, keeping his camera on him at all times, like learning his craft, and the fact that he's just like he's a full-time photographer right now. When he first started. Um, he was still working um, at a company doing social media, I believe, but now he just jumped over because it was just like, this is his passion, this is the thing that he does, and now he runs a business and gets paid to be himself. So it's just really dope to see, <clears throat> it's dope to see those opportunities. It's dope to see um, people get hired, people hiring each other um, to actually, like, like, for freelance gigs. Like, I know that there was somebody that actually, like, she had a PR agency, and she hired, some, she was looking for an intern or looking for a freelance, you know, media manager, hired her and ended up teaching her how to pull on clients for herself as well. Wow. So it wasn't even just a matter of, like, hey, like, I need, I need your, like, let me post real quick. But it was just like, look, like, I'm going to hire you, but, like, I want you to learn how to do this as well. So it's just, like, not just getting fish, but actually learning how to fish, too. So it's just, like, seeing those moments. I think it's really dope they don't get featured or just share that they have new clients or that they collaborated with somebody on this project. We've seen magazine launches. We've seen event launches. It's been a lot of like, wow, this is really actually having an actual impact on people um, and seeing people actually get hired with the companies that we partner with is dope too. Oh my God. I'm like, so aside from her being so cool and your credentials are on another level, I'm just like completely mind blown because yes, obviously I've known you for a while from high school and whatnot, but I just, I really didn't know like in depth. And now that I know like your whole background story and everything, I'm just like, I'm not even kidding. I'm fascinated. I'm even more obsessed with you. Literally obsessed with you. Um, So we are so honored to basically be interviewing you because I think that everything you're doing is amazing. And I think it's really eye opening even to me. Um, Things that you say, like I personally as an employer, I would never even think twice, like, I'm all about personality, and I don't care what color, gender, anything you are, as long as, like, you're a good person, but it really is eye-opening, and I really hope that, like, everybody's learned something from you and can use that, um, you know, just to accept everyone, and it doesn't matter, and as long as, you know, you're being a great worker, um, you just get paid for that, and you do you, and you can be comfortable in this and that, and, you know, so with that being said, like, to you, what does like feminine, being a entrepreneur, what does, you know, the whole movement we're trying to do mean to you? Yeah. Ooh, what a good question. And thank you for all those compliments. I'm over here blushing. I'm <laughs> uh, so what that means for me is very much so rooted in empowerment, right? I think that when I was actually, when I was actually like doing research and just hearing about what you guys were building, I was just like, yes, like, there needs to be more conversations and just more sharing of stories to empower each other. I think that sometimes, often enough, you don't have the opportunity to, like, especially when you build a platform just for somebody else to share their story, I think that that's extremely admirable because oftentimes their stories don't get told, right? Or, you know, it's not necessarily to listen to and there's, like, a specific audience that needs to hear it in order for them to kind of create change. Sometimes it's not even necessarily our story that's just, like, how important it is. It's more so about, like, the person that's listening to it. Like, what are they going to do with this information? So I think that they're going to feel, and they should feel empowered by whatever it is that we're sharing, like, whether it's, like, a strategy or just, like, something that was, you know, relatable 
um, that's the type of stuff that actually like companies spend money on. They want people to be authentic and just true and honest. And you, you, it doesn't empowerment doesn't get much further than that if you're not honest and true with yourself. So that's what that means to me. And I'm just so, like I said, I'm so into this girl power thing. I'm like, yes, what are we talking about today, sis? Like, what, where are we? Yes, so with that being said, like, who are one or two people that, like, is a femme to you, that, like, motivates you, that someone, like, you're like, yes, you go, girl? Um, let's see. I mean, I can only, I have to say Asi Oprah because in my head, she has to meet me at some point. Like, we just have to get that. Um, she, she just does it for me, okay? Um, let's see. You know, that was a hard question because there have been so many women in my life that has kind of like stepped in from like my mom to my sisters to my friends to even, you know, Miss Barron. Like, you know, Miss Barron's like our, our vice president over at high school. But like, just, there's, there's so many so many people that have just like done things. And even you ladies, like, you ladies have put together the podcast just to kind of push a, a culture forward. And I think that that's super important. And it's like, wow, like, let me take a step back and really think about you know, what it actually means to be a female entrepreneur or just being a woman in business. And I think that when you have so many people that are so encouraging and they're just asking questions because something and they see something in you that's just like, yo, you have to share this with the world. Like, that's very important. So I would have to say, like, any woman that ever kind of, even the catty ones, because there is the shade, honey. But I think there is any woman that I've ever kind of encountered they have showed me something about myself or kind of taught me something that has made me better so i can't i, I would i would be uh i'd be getting i would be getting cursed out at some point like well why didn't you say me right <laughs> <laughs> no i like your response i like your response it's perfect <laughs> that's awesome Bianca we've loved having you on this show I think you're absolutely incredible I'm very happy that Ariel matched us all up to speak together but you're you know I'm actually I need to go look on Instagram and see but where can our users follow you because they need to just yeah. be involved and invested in you <laughs> okay be invested in me uh, yes <laughs> Um, Bianca Shanti. I'm Bianca Shanti everywhere. Literally, B-I-A-N-C-A-J-E-A-N-C. Uh, That's my first and last name on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, BiancaShanti.com. And then everything from Men Connect is Men Connect everywhere, too. So M-I-M Connect literally everywhere. Awesome. Perfect. So for our listeners, if you have any questions for Bianca, feel free to email us at femt at gmail.com. That's F-E-M-M-E-T-E-E at gmail.com. Hope I got that right this time. We keep messing it up, so I have to keep cutting it out of the podcast. (laughs) But yeah, but thank you so much and hashtag get femmed.